Hey everyone, Stuart here. This week's episode has a little bit of, let's just say, colorful language in it. Not much, but I just wanted to let you know in case you're thinking about listening in a place where it might be otherwise inappropriate to listen out loud. Whether it's work or the little ones are around or whatever the situation may be, don't be afraid to pause right here, throw on those headphones, and enjoy. Otherwise, let's get into it. Your brain is always going to change and evolve. The question just is, do you lose or gain more with every change? You're like, I will gain more from this move than I will lose because my audience, especially starting off, primarily men who like business, if I share like makeup tips, makeup anything, fashion, they're like, why are you sharing this? But then I think to myself, I'm like, how many men in business ultimately are going to be Layla's super fans? Like I see a future in which it's it's not that. I just got to be more ballsy. your personal brand in seven words or less. It doesn't have to be a complete sentence. Just like, I'm just curious how you see yourself and your personal brand. Well, it's interesting because it's like a little weird, well-spoken for the most part. You could say masculine, powerful energy at times. Authentic. Quirky. Business. Simplicity. You mentioned weird a couple of times. Now I'm dying. I have to open that door. What's what's the weird stuff? Oh, I mean, like, I'll, like, watch the vlog footage, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I have a lot of, I'm very expressive and have a lot of mannerisms, like, on a daily basis. And so when I'm watching the vlog footage, and I, like, I make weird voices, like, constantly fluxing my voice different. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Uh, to, like, play different characters. You know, when I speak of my dad, I'm like, I was talking to my dad the other day and he was like, sweetie, when I was talking to you, like I do that all the time. Does dad um, sound like that? I mean, he's a little nasally. So he's okay. like, oh, I just love you so much. Like I just do that all day, every day. Okay. And so when they do the vlog footage, not like a direct to camera or an interview like this, I see it and I'm like, oh my God, I am not. <laughs> like if I were watching this, I'd, I mean, I told Alex, I was like, like how big is my viewer base? Because I watch myself and I'm like, a little fucking weird. Because um, I just, I don't know. I get it from my family. Like my both my father and my mother actually, very expressive. Like huge facial expressions, large mannerisms. It's something that I've probably been like self-conscious of when I was younger. But then as I got older, I've learned to like it about myself because it makes you unique. But I do think it's like quirky because I would say it's like a lot of women would probably not make such ugly faces. Mm. Um, like I can make some hideous faces and I do it all the time. And poor Alex experiences it on a daily basis consistently. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, how are you still married to me? You know, but I think that's why. The reason why I said answer it from your point of view is because I wanted to ask you, how would Alex describe you in seven words or less as your brand? Oh, he would definitely say weird. <laughs> um, that's interesting. You know, what's weird is like, we're usually just so on the same page. I feel like it might be similar. He might be, he would probably be more complimentary than I would be about myself. What would he say? I think he said something the other day. I don't even like saying it out loud. But intelligent, powerful, intelligent, beautiful, 
he would just be more complimentary of me. I think. Are, are you comfortable taking compliments? I take them because that's, I feel like it's very punishing to not accept them from people, but no, I'm not like comfortable. Yeah. I saw, I saw your reel when you talked about that. So if you push it away, they're not going to give it to you anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then, then you really are like, wait, oh shit. And then you have no evidence to support if something is real or not. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, it's like their boyfriend's like, oh, you're so beautiful. And she's like, shut the fuck up. I'm just fat and ugly. And he's like, all right, I'm not going to say that again. And then she starts to wonder, she's like, well, maybe I am really fat and ugly. Cause she, what she wants him to say is like, no, you're not honey. Like if you weren't, I wouldn't say that. But instead he's just like, you were being a bitch. So I'm going to shut the fuck up. I find it strange about human nature. We're more likely to receive a criticism than we are to receive a compliment. I think it's that we learn, most people learn more from that than they do from compliments. Like winning, you don't learn nearly as much from winning than you do from losing. I think the same goes from criticism. It's like we learn a lot more from being critiqued than we do from being complimented. Hmm. And from like an evolutionary standpoint, I think it keeps you alive. <laughs> okay. I have a question for you. What is your book going to be called and what is, what is it about? I would love to write a book in like 15 years and I want the title to be Know Your Place. And I want it to be about just building a business and how to build a business. But I want to fuck with everybody by making the title Know Your Place so they think it's about being a woman. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I've talked about it with Alex a few yeah. times. But it would be, you know, building a business from the ground up uh, to over a billion dollars. Like that's the book I want to write. Is it a book designed for, for women? No. No? Okay. Nope. I just like to play on the title. Okay. That's it. Why, why 15 years? Why so long? I have time right now. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, realistically, I've had a lot of people approach me like wanting to publishers, like they want to ghostwrite. What I, I do not want to put anything out there that's written by a ghostwriter. Um, I tried that with content for a little while and like I just, it's nothing on like ghostwriting in general. Like I, it works for some people, but for me, it's like, I've just realized I want more things to sound more like me. And if I wrote a book, like especially my first book, I want it to be something that I write. And I want it to be when I built something that's been a billion dollars. Mm. That's the marker then when you do a billion. So you're setting the marker at less than 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it could be way less, but right. it's also like you have to, it has to have, the business has to be worth a billion. And then also I have to decide I want to write the book. <laughs> so I just assume in the next 15 years. Talking about financial goals, I don't know what the exact number is, but I think there's a theory that it's like, if you, once you make like say $35 million from 35 to hundred to whatever, it doesn't matter because we don't know how to spend that kind of money anyways. Mm. Right. So for you guys to work towards that billion dollars, what is the, the drive besides playing the game? And the game is fun to play, but is there something bigger than hitting that number? Bigger? No. I think, you know, when me and Alex, there's probably days where we go around, like, does it even matter to be that, to get to that and this and that? And I'm like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do until I die. And I would just like to, I would really like to find out what it takes to do that. And I think it's just curiosity. It's like, I really want to know what it takes. and. I would love for that to be the story is that I was able to do that because I also am not going to do it in a way that's gross. I'm not going to do it in a way that doesn't benefit others. I'm going to do it in a way that benefits everybody around me, that makes people better, you know, that makes everyone that works for me better, the people that I interact with, our partners, everyone that watches our content. So I think for me, it's thinking like, I want to do it in a way that is so opposite of how most do. Because I think most people do it by stepping on others and making other people's lives worse who interact with them. 
um, especially private equity, like people who buy businesses, they usually just like the businesses are shit after. Mm. And they, everyone that works there hates it. The people who sold it are like, fuck, well, at least I got the money. And, you know, they just financially bloat the company with debt and then, you know, just let it maintain until it dies one day. I just like to do everything the opposite of that. And that is what sounds cool to me. And then the billion is just because then people will listen and realize that you don't have to do everything the traditional way. And there is a way to build a company in where it benefits everybody. And you can truly have a place where people love to work and love to partner with your company. And like all around, it's a win for everybody. That's what's cool to me is like the process of doing it. And I think I don't ever want to preach how I do stuff until I have the credibility to get behind it. And I think right now, you know, obviously we have like the $100 million offers and all that. So it's like businesses that are of that size and below. But I would really love to set a standard for a much larger industry that's in the billions because those are people who have a lot of influence over the market. And that's really incentivizing to me. And yeah, I, I mean, that's really the reason why I pick that number. I mean, it's honestly, it's also like the next natural sequence from where we've been. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. And I'm sure after that, it's like, all right, now it's 10 billion, 20 billion, 30, whatever. Or maybe I changed my mind while I live on an island drink mojitos all day. I have no idea, but mm. I don't think so. Fast forward, you've hit that number. Is there anything you want to splurge on, like to, to buy that you can't already buy today that you're like, hey, I did it. Now I'm going to spend this money in this really fun way. And anything like that? Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, I want to make this money so I can buy the Jets. Mm. And it's this thing because he's obsessed since a child, right? And I think I want to make my money so I can go buy an art school and just convert it and make it like not free, but like super cheap and affordable. Yeah. So that's that's what I want to do. So what would you spend your money on? There's two things. There's one from a more charitable side, which is like, we would love to be able to start a school. You know, like we're about making real business education available to everybody. And I think the best place to do that is with younger populations. So like, I think both Alex and I have like a soft spot for teenagers and you know, people, they're not yet in the college, but they're in high school. It's like, would love to create a school where they can learn the real shit we're teaching. So that's on the charitable side. On the selfish side, I would like a mega yacht. <laughs> How big is this mega yacht, you think? A mega yacht is big enough that you can fit another yacht and a plane on it. <laughs> I love that. Do you like the ocean? Yeah, I yeah. do. I really like boats. Okay. Um, and I also feel like, you know, it's funny, it's like, People buy planes. They're like, wow, if you plan, I'm like, oh my God, you can buy a plane for cheap. I could buy two planes tomorrow. But like a mega yacht, you got to have some fuck you money to do that. So I like that. Like if, if I can have that in a school, I've made it. Beautiful. I read somewhere that you had invested, I think in three companies and got them to 120 million-ish in revenue. This, this blows my mind. This speaks about your chops as a CEO, as an operator. You know how to make businesses make more money. So I, I'm thinking like, what is it that they don't know that you know? What is it that you get them to do that gets them to that next level? Can you distill down like the top three things? Well, I would say part of it is in who we pick. Picking founders who have an unfair advantage. So I would say that the most successful founders already have one skill, not a ton of skills, but they have one thing that they are not world-class at, but incredibly good at, and they can be world-class at. And you can see that potential in somebody, you know, and you can feel it and you can see it in the work because usually it's the engine for the company is like that one skill they have that's like crazy good. It's not just like, oh, like everybody else in the industry. It's like they stand out. 
That's the first thing is that all of those people had that. And then they also had a really strong support system. So I would say you have a very talented one or two founders who have you know, crazy unique skill sets that are advantageous for the business. And then they have supportive family and partners with them. If you don't have one of those things, it's really tough because you can have a team of three founders that are like all like good at something and they could get a business that does like 10, 15 million. But if they're not in a great market with a great skill set, it's going to be tough. And on the other side, if you have a really talented person and they don't have a good support system, they often are their own demise. They sabotage themselves. You know, they, I would like success is a double-edged sword. And the thing that they're really good at, they usually also have these huge deficits and they have nobody to cover them. And so I think those two things have been traits in the founders that we've looked for. I do feel like we got really lucky with a couple of those companies, uh, to be fair. Like I, I really do, because it's not like every company we invest in like skyrockets and like, I don't want people to think that because I'm like, if you act like an idiot, it's nothing I can do. I'm not there every day. But it's those two things. And then what we do is, I mean, the thing that's interesting is that we have Alex and I, and then our whole team, it's like we have Alex and I who are strategists that have complementary skills. And then we have our team who are strategists in each of their functions, marketing, sales, product, tech, customer success, people, whatever. And so we basically, whatever the constraint of the business is, whatever the reason it's not growing faster is, then we will just attack that first. And it's always different. It's always changing. And we just make sure that we have somebody that's on it and we know what that constraint is. And so it's really a question of asking yourself, like, especially when a business is small, like a lot of them were when they came to us, it's like, okay, well, there might be seven things that are broken. Which one, if fixed, provides us with the highest return? That's it. And so it's like, cool, let's start there. And let's not try and do six at once. Let's start there. Let's do it this quarter. And the next quarter, we'll take on another. And most people, if they took that approach, would get way more done in a year than they take by like, ah, oh, we got to solve all seven right now. It's like, cool, you're going to like move each of them an inch rather than completing each. So that's a lot of the approach that we take. I will say that um, each company is different. So, you know, one company we took on, I would say that a lot of our changes were strategic and they were very skilled operationally and didn't need a ton of help scaling the infrastructure to as, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people versus, you know, another company, we barely made any strategy changes and they needed all the help with the infrastructure. We built all the teams out. And so it's just whatever the business needs. And I think we just understand business well enough to know like what good looks like. So it's like, all right, we know. And if we don't know something, I at least have a network where I can bring somebody else in who does. And that's a huge advantage. It's like somebody's like, hey, we've got this Python code. So I don't fucking know that. I will bring in my friend who I know is an expert in Python though, and he will look at it, you know? And it's also like, if we don't know something, and if we don't know a business, we don't invest in it. God, you know, there's so many businesses that want to partner with us. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know the first thing about this. They get on, they explain their business. I'm like, I don't even know what he just said. And I'm like, yeah, we can't invest in this business. I have no fucking idea. Um, and so we always take on industries that we understand and that we have that our skills translate over to. So it sounds to me like if I'm, I'm hearing this, your ability to pick winners because of your experience and knowing what the key ingredients are that you can't invest in. Like once you have that, then we can help you. That's critical. And then it depends on if they need a strategic point of view or they need technical infrastructure help, then you can come in, you can help them solve that, right? Yeah. 
But I will say, like, I think it sounds much more glamorous than it is. There's a lot of companies that, I mean, I made a decision a quarter ago and I was like, I'm getting rid of the bottom three. And I was like, I'm cutting them. Like, we're just going to, we're going to divest because it'd been a year, a year and a half, two years. And those were investments where we did not take controlling interest because that's what we did for most of the time up until recently. About three quarters ago, we changed to taking majority. And I could not, you know, we could not move things forward because of the person leading the company. And then if the person leading the company, we can't move things forward. If they won't let us bring in somebody from the outside to move things forward, it's tough. And so, I mean, I take that on to mind. That's my bad. Like I didn't pick right. You know what I mean? And so that's a real thing. And I think a lot of people also don't know in most private equity in like port, there's portfolio theory, which is like 80 to 90% of your portfolio, like revenue and profit comes from the top one to three companies in smaller portfolios. So it's like, how many companies do you have that are just like, they just never, the market changes, the founder becomes distracted. You know, the product never is able to get that good. Competitor comes to market. It's all the same. It's not like because Alex and Layla touch it, it's magic. And I hate dealing with that shit. And that was honestly, that was a shit fucking quarter for me having to like be like, yeah, bye. And they're like, seriously, I thought you were going to help me. And I'm like, but you actually don't have the capability to do this. Mm. And I have now realized that. And I suck for not having realized it sooner. That fucking sucks. Mm. I hate it. It's literally... Jason knows. I like come out and I like, I'm like therapy with the content team. They're like, what's wrong? I'm like, God, today <laughs> had to have this conversation. I hate myself, you know, but I don't want to be like normal private equity and just be like, yeah, we're just going to ride along and like cruise. And like, I'll just like take distributions and like know that you're not going anywhere, but I'll just take the money. I'm just not going to, I can't, I can't do that. It's not me. That would probably be a drag on your mental energy and your resources, right? Because it's like, yeah. these are not winners. Let's just cut our losses, right? Right. And I don't want any money from a company that isn't, you know, that I'm not able to help have an impact on. So it's just, I mean, it's different when you take controlling interest because it's on you. Right. Like now with the companies that we have majority of, whether it's doing well or not, we got to figure out what to do. But we also have the ability to change everything at any point in time right. versus working through others. Very different. Mm. Um, and that's been interesting for me because, you know, I explained to you why we've picked the companies and why we got lucky with that. But at the same time, it is much harder than, well, now I have this brand and this ability to recruit people that have run insane companies that are insanely talented. And if I put them against, this is real. If I put those people that I can recruit against most of the founders I speak to on the phone, who would I choose? This person. So then I'm like, all right, does it make sense that I, with every company, you know, take a minority stake and like trust that the founder is going to guide it in the right direction? There are still some companies, like even right now in some of the pipeline where like, I'm like, this founder's got it. Like, I just know, right? And I'm like, they, I would hire this person to run this company. But if I wouldn't hire the founder to run the company, then why would I partner with them and not have control? You see what I'm saying? So I've taken a different approach where it's like, there are some companies in which it makes sense, which if, if the question I can answer is like, I would confidently hire this person to run this company outside of them being the founder, then I think taking a minority interest can work at times, but also for how much, there's other things to factor in, which is like how much work we do, uh, how much time we spend on the businesses, you know, how much of an advantage we provide to them. And if I want to be able to like one day put my brand behind them, do I do that for like less than controlling interest? And I feel like the future goes towards no. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get back to this week's episode, I want to check in to see if you are an established creative service provider, coach, or consultant looking to take your business to the next level. If so, I want to personally invite you to join the Future Pro membership with instant access to over 600 hours of exclusive content, live calls with myself and guest experts, and a community of peers to support you every step of the way. We hold nothing back when it comes to scaling your business. Go to thefuture.com slash pro to learn more and join us inside. Welcome back to our conversation. You're saying we're pretty good, but we're not magicians. There are going to be bad bets that we make. And then there's going to be the, the, the winners that skyrocket and the ones that don't work out. Do you, do you record content around that? I don't because... In fact, I've never talked about it just because I feel really sensitive to not talking about something. It's timing. In a year, yeah, I could make content about it, but I never want someone to watch it and be like, that was about me. I just, I've, I've had it happen. Mm. It doesn't feel good. I'm really sensitive to people's feelings. There's been like two or three vlogs that I haven't, that are were fire vlogs. And I was like, we cannot post these maybe in like a year. And the team's like, oh, and I'm like, fuck, we just can't. Timing. Because so much of what I do is so like, it's personnel focused and it's like, I don't know. I, I'm never going to sacrifice personal relationships for content. So even if it would benefit others, it's like, it can wait. It will benefit them in a year as well. So no, I haven't. I don't talk about investing a lot because I don't think it's relatable. Um, and I don't feel like I'm an expert yet because it's been only three years and investments take five to 10 years to pan out often. And so, you know, I know that I'm really, I've, I am confident in my business acumen. I have a lot still to learn when it comes to investing. And I also am, there's just a lot, you know, I think that people over, they romanticize it right now. I think there's a lot of people on, you know, buying businesses and doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, come on. Like it is just as shitty as running a business. There's nothing, it's not better or worse. It's like, they are equal. There are different shit, like you have different shit on each side. And so I'll tell you this. I had somebody that reached out to me that uh, 
used to be a client at, at Gym Launch. And then they said they started their own company. And I was like, that's amazing. What are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm doing what you and Alex are doing, taking a page out of your book. I'm taking equity in these companies. And I was like, and that person was one of our bottom clients. They were just really loud. Mm. And I was like, that's fucking scary to me that you would take equity in somebody's company when you're not even good at running your own. You know, you're not an investor and you're not a business person. And so I feel like it's really irresponsible. And I have all my years of experience in actually doing business and then uh, all of my anxiety to propel me to learn this very quickly um, that like, I just, I don't like talking about it because it feels like it's a, it's a topic right now. And it, it honestly just grosses me out. Like it grosses me out that people think that it's cool to teach people stuff that is high fucking risk. Like you are taking on all the liability. And by the way, if you can buy a company for no money, it's probably a piece of shit. Like if somebody sells you their company for no money, you probably don't want it. It's probably a liability. And so I see all this stuff and I'm just like, I mean, I obviously have opinions about it, but it's, uh, I also feel like I can't speak on it because people are probably like, she just doesn't want us to do what they're doing because they've got the secrets. And I'm like, no, it's fucking hard, dude. Like, it's hard. It's kind of like, um, we sold Prestige Labs, the supplement company. And then someone asked me on a podcast, they were like, would you start a supplement company again today? And I was like, never. And then all these people were like ragged on me and they were like, she just doesn't want us to make the money she made. And I was like, no, I was like, it fucking was awful. If I, I mean, it's not a great business to get into. And so it's like, would I recommend private equity to most people just trying to make money and get into business? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely not. It is very hard. And like a lot of people in the industry are very cutthroat that you have to be working with. And like the vendors and things, it's just very different than business. And so I feel like it's one of those things that you talk about in the future rather than while it's happening because nobody will believe that your intentions are pure. Mm. They'll think that I'm like coming from a scarcity mindset of like thinking that, oh, they're going to scoop up all the companies or something. Like, I don't know. People say these things though. I'm going to say this on a, from a very selfish point of view. And, and maybe make a case for it. You talked about like how we learn more from our failures than from our success, that we can learn more from criticism than we can from a compliment. I didn't know that there's like these businesses that you, you invested in that didn't work out. I don't know why I just assumed that it always worked out. I would love it for you to sit there for an hour and a half. Here's what went wrong. Abstract all the names and things so that we can just learn along the side. Like that's what makes you not investable people. Don't do this. Stop doing that. Because what we see is like, oh, they put in their magic. Now it's a $100 million company. Damn it. I'm never going to be that person. But in sharing like, okay, here's where the owner did this. And we just couldn't get them to change their mind, get out of their way. Because oftentimes, as you coach, I coach people. Yeah, It's like, if you could just do this one thing, get out of your own way, it would be magical and rainbows and everything. But yeah. you got to stop and they don't. And they can't, you know, they're stuck. And we realized it too late, right? Yeah, I would love fair. to see that. It would be such good content. I, I know your sensitivity, your your issues about ethics, but from just a very selfish, like I would learn so much by by hearing you say that, knowing next time if I want Layla and Alex to invest in me, I cannot be that person because it's gonna fail. And they're gonna throw me out. That's that that's I mean, not like in those yeah, words, yeah, yeah. but you know. No, that's fair. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I mean, we, probably we do. Be, I would love to. I would watch that. I binge watch that yeah. like all day long. Our postmortem on why a business yeah. didn't succeed. Yeah. Like here are the lessons. Here's what the entrepreneur did. You know, abstract the names, faces, or the whatever. market, whatever. Yeah. yeah, or the market. That's that's a valuable lesson too. Everything should have worked, and it didn't because we couldn't see this thing coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the amount of businesses that I mean, even like we keep in our pipeline and keep in touch with, and then the market in the last year, they've just 
dissipated into almost nothing. Um, just based on like a few people that were in unlucky markets, you know? Yeah. And you're like, damn, dude, you're like Timing, a great entrepreneur, right. but yeah. not the right time. Right, right. Yeah. You've been super generous with your time. I just want to ask you this one last question, which is, yeah. what's something that people would be surprised to learn about you? I'll start, okay? Okay. Like I tell people, I used to be into skateboarding. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Your turn. Uh, uh, I used to, I thought I wanted to be a zoologist. So I had a, a ton of reptiles growing up. So I had, at one point, I think like multiple different lizards and uh, things. So when I was like 14, I had like a seven foot iguana, for example. So I've just always really liked weird animals like spiders, birds, reptiles, snakes, like all of it. Um, so a lot of people don't know that I had all of those growing up, I guess. So like people would come to my house and they were like disgusted by how many animals were in cages, if that makes sense. Do you have any animals now? No. Uh -huh. no. No more seven foot iguanas? Uh, we had a cat and he died. Uh, he was really sweet. His name was Billy, short for Billion. <laughs> but you can't let the Billion die. <laughs> I know. He had like a heart disease. Uh, oh, no. But... No, we haven't gotten any since him. Uh, we had a dog for a short period of time and then we had the cat and then we just haven't done anything since then. No, now I think uh, as much as I like them, I like to go visit them and hang out with you yeah. know, friends who have them. But uh, And then leave them behind and go back to work and look I, it yeah, out. I don't, I, what am I going to do? Pay someone to take care of my animal? Like, right. That seems ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I know how to do this then. I'm going to ask okay. you five really simple questions. Oh, shit, okay. One yeah. word answers, I'm really not okay? giving you what you want here. No, no, this is, I love this. Okay. <laughs> Favorite fashion label brand designer? I love um, Stella McCartney and Alexander McQueen. Beautiful. Okay, he knew. He knew. <laughs> he knew. He's like McQueen. I like McQueen too. It's super expensive. I'm not there <laughs> yet. Necklace is that McQueen? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my god, you do know your stuff. Okay. Yeah. And number two, like favorite a series to binge watch. So basic, but the Kardashians. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, you you know, there's new information out there. Okay. Um, um favorite band. Or one that's in heavy rotation. I know that's always hard, like the favorite, you know, one that's in heavy rotation. Oh my God. I don't actually know if I have bands that I listen to. A song? Uh, an era? Help me out here. I listen to like really inappropriate music. So I don't- What do you I, mean? There's no such thing as inappropriate music? Is uh, I mean, yeah. Like I would never share it because it's like, people are like, what are you listening to this? You know what I mean? I think- Are you a believer? What are you talking about here? No, I just think it's- um, I like the beat, but like, if you listen to the lyrics, it's like, choke that bitch on the floor, fuck her from behind, you know? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God. And then like my team walks in my office, and they're like, wait, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I'm like, I really like the rhythm. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I just like, like it playing okay. in the background. And then right. Alex will come in the car and he's like, what the fuck? You know, just like that kind of stuff. Um, okay. Is that like, like, like speed battle? Is that when you say... I don't That's, know, maybe like close to like, like some tech nine, like that kind of vibe. Okay. You know, just okay. like really aggressive yeah. and dark, yeah. but like, I'm not listening to the lyrics. I'm just like, I like the pace. Okay. Tech nine McQueen. I can, I'm certain see a picture here. Okay. okay. All right. Um, what's the thing that you hate the most by making content? You know, the first thing that popped up was that I have so many good comebacks to all these people that leave comments, but I'm too well-mannered to leave them. Oh, you just, you just clap back. It's fun. There's the whole point of content behavior. creation. Laws of behavior. If I clap back, I reinforce them commenting. They want me to clap back. I will it's never give somebody algorithm. what they want. But sometimes I've got such a good one. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to fucking nail them. And then I'm like. <laughs> I know what. And I have to tell Alex. And he's like, you're a bitch. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know what it is. 
forget the um, know your place. Just a book of clapbacks that you release 15 years later while you're listening to Tech Nine <laughs> and just let it all out. So I actually, here's what I, I have done though, is I save the most like savage comments people make across yeah. platforms and I save them in my phone. And one day I want to make this video. He, I, I have it where it's like, I'm sitting by a fireplace. I have like glasses on and then I like very properly read the comments. So Steve414 says, stupid tranny bitch. You said like, just, I think it'd be a hilarious video. <laughs> There's two series here. Yeah. One, the businesses that failed and what we learned about them and mean comments read by a beautiful woman. There you go. Okay, look, I'll help you with the content. Let's go. Yeah. Right? No, I think it'd be good. You know what would be better? You read them while there's a drone shot that pulls out of the mega yacht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, just like flying through every room. champagne on my mega yeah, yacht you know reading what I mean? the comments. Like, it's oh, literally okay. flying through every single room on the yacht. And it's like, it's a really long video because there's a lot of rooms yeah. to fly through. That'd be great. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm. What is the thing that you love the most about yourself? I actually love the fact that I am willing to be completely honest. I think a lot of people, and I know because they're people are friends of mine that make content, say like, no, I'll really, I'll show, like I'll, I'll say anything. And it's like, if I am asked it, I will tell the truth. And so I think it's actually that like, I really do think I'm a truth teller. And I have tried hard to do that. Yeah. So I think that's what I like the most about myself. But I think that, there's definitely times where I feel like, based on the audience, how you tell the truth, I, I get nervous, you know? Cause like, if I'm in a close room with just like our team talking about something, like I'm cracking jokes, saying things that are inappropriate, you know, riffing, swearing. And it's like, I always worry about that stuff getting taken out of context. I know what you mean. You know, yeah. Because I say inappropriate things. My wife's like, please don't say that out loud <laughs> to other people. It's funny. Yeah. I love you for it, but uh, you're going to get canceled for saying stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, I, know. I, I keep that's exploring like, the edge, but, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting how I say it out loud. It's like, that's the part of myself I like the most. I think that I, it's probably been in the last like two years. Like, I feel like I really just accept myself and mm -hmm. like, I don't try to be perfect anymore. I like accept that like, I'm not almost like the very put together vision of myself with like no attitude at all. And like very, like I actually, I like the fact that I have like mannerisms and things like that. Um, and I don't think I used to. So I think that's it. But on the other side of that, it's like, well, I don't really show enough. Of it's like the, um, the something about Mary character or Cameron Diaz is this beautiful girl who loves baseball, who swears like whatever. And it's like the most chill girl next door that cannot exist in real life. That's the dream version, isn't it? Like a woman who's successful, who doesn't care, who drops F-bombs and mm. works out and does all kinds of stuff. Like, who is this person? Yeah. I think I'm at like a weird transitional point with yeah. content because um, like I started off being so professional, it feels like. Mm -hmm. And I think I've gotten more in the other direction. But like what you're describing is much closer to like who I actually am that people know me is like I have like that mm. whole other side. But yeah. I... I think we're trying to figure out ways to capture it where I'm in that setting where it's like, it's not manufactured. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then there's also like the, obviously putting it out there. Like even when I, uh, when I got my nose done, like I was like, it's funny because people were like, you obviously had to tell people you were going to get it done because it's going to look so different. I was like, you should have seen the picture they sent me of what it was going to look like after. It looked nothing like this. And so it looked like they took a bump off and that was it. And, uh, and then I was like, but putting that out there, 
was really scary because there were so many comments for like a month. Yeah. It was like all all it was was like nobody talked about my content. They only talked about the fact that I had my fucking nose done. Right. And I was like, good lord. But through the other side of that, like my female audience has tripled. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sure it's because I started sharing about like, yeah, I got plastic surgery. So what the fuck what? Yeah. I would get more if I wanted to. You know what I mean? I don't care. And so it's interesting because it's like uh, Alex talks about brand in this way. And I think it resonated with me a lot, which is like, your brain is always going to change and evolve. The question just is, do you lose or gain more with every change? So if you want to grow a brand, you want to make sure that the bet you're making, you're like, I will gain more from this move than I will lose. Which means like, I will gain more of an audience than I will lose. I will lose people no matter with any change I make, but will I gain more? And I think that there's a lot of things that I will, because my audience, especially starting off, primarily men who like business, if I share like makeup tips, makeup anything, fashion, they're like, why are you sharing this? And like, but then I think to myself, I'm like, how many men in business ultimately are going to be Layla's super fans? Like I see a future in which it's, it's not that. And so I just got to be more ballsy. You know, there's a couple of things there. Number one is I, I, I honestly believe this and it's because we, we live in a time when, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to give you their opinions, whether you like them or not. And it can be hurtful. It can affect your mood and your self-image and your self-confidence. But here's my belief on this. At the end of the day, and I think you 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 feel the same way, is I'd rather have fewer fans that really show up because I'm showing the real version of me yeah. versus some other version, right? And and this is, uh, I get this comment. Oh, Chris, you've changed a lot since nine years ago since you made content, right? Well, I tell them I haven't changed at all. I'm just showing you the real me now. Because yeah. we all show up professionally first. Yeah. We're a little scared. And then slowly I'm like, nope, you know what? I'm done. Taking off the kimono. This is who I am. And I know I piss off some people. I'm like, that's cool. You have a lot of choices in the world. You could watch whatever. Yeah. You know what? This is hilarious because you guys are in a similar space because you're educating people. I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm like, Fine. Don't make money. I only teach you how to make money. So who are you hurting here? Yeah. Go do, do whatever you want. That's all. I'm just trying to help you better your life. And if I'm, I'm not for you, cool. But the opposite is the people who do show up for you love you in ways that just transcend because you're giving information because they're getting to see all of you. Yeah. And that that is that glue that makes that community, the audience that show up, super tight. You can see somebody who has 10, 20 million followers or subscribers and they don't give a F about that person. They just tune in for the content. Conversely, you can see somebody who's 20,000 followers and the, the people go to war for them. Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. Yeah. I'm excited because uh, we announced today this year is the year that we split the content team. So there's going to be a Layla team and an Alex team. Oh. And I think that'll also help because like right now, like they just work so much and there's yeah. so much shit between the two of us Yeah. for how much we put out and how many people there are. And so it's like, the ability to focus because also like we basically just like what for a long time is like what worked for Alex do for Layla, but like we don't operate the same way. Also, I think I'm probably more optimized for like podcast interacting with person rather than like direct to camera by myself mm -hmm. because that's what I've been trained to do over the last 10 years of my professional life. And Alex is the opposite. He's been trained to talk at people. Yeah. And we both do that in terms of in conversation. Like I'm better at having conversations. He's better at just yelling at people, not actually yelling, but like, <laughs> right. ha, you know, right, right. Uh, we joke and say yelling. And yeah. uh, I think it'll be cool to see how both of our content evolves as we like create different ways of how we're doing it. Right. It's like you need different styles and content strategy because you're two very different people. Yeah. Talking about similar subjects, but very different style. 
Right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we have so many things we're so different with uh, personally. It's just like those things aren't shown through content. You know, we just, everything business, we pretty much agree, you know? Yeah. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go? How do they find you? I would say start with my podcast, Build with Layla Hormozy. And if you like visuals, then you can go to YouTube and just type in Layla Hormozy. And if not, you can go to any other social platform and type in Layla Hormozy and you will find me. Um, and if you want to learn about how to, if you're a beginner in business, I would say that we have a book, uh, $100 million offers and $100 million leads that you can find on acquisition.com um, and you can get your copies there. Great. I've read both. They're wonderful books. I'm endorsing the books right now, guys. Thanks very much. Dude, this is fun. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being such a great host. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Stuart Schuster. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by reviewing and rating our show on Apple Podcasts. It will help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.